Welcome to the Foundry Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Foundry Church or how to get involved, visit us at thefoundrychurch.com. Now, like I said, we are starting a new series of sermons, uh, Making a King, Becoming a King. The making of a king. I'll get it right the third time. And as uh, we were announcing this series and introducing it to you guys, right, over, over the last week, we, we kept talking about heroes, right? We, we, were, we were talking and asking people about their heroes. And I love watching, like, Peter Parker transform into to Spider-Man, right? One of the heroes that was mentioned last week as he, as he defeats the, the Green Goblin, right? A hero. Or, or Bruce Wayne becoming Batman to save the city of Gotham uh, from total destruction by a, any number of bad guys, right? Or, or Indiana Jones was a, was a hero that was mentioned, right? An archaeology professor who, who is recovering lost artifacts all the time he's, he's beating up the, the evil Nazis, Right? Heroes, right? So there's an entire industry built around these types of people, these, these types of heroes, right? Kids, later this month, will probably be dressing up as some of these heroes that they were mentioning as Halloween, right? You can buy them as action figures, and a lot of them have been turned into movies, uh, becoming Hollywood blockbusters in just a matter of, of days, right? These, these characters... Heroes, when we, when we think about it in these terms, are, are larger than life, right? Their, their stories just are epic. Right? The, the, the legends that are built around them are just glorious and epic, and we love them. But if I'm honest, right, they're not my favorite heroes, right? The Marvel or the DC guys or... Indiana Jones. Let me introduce you to one of the greatest heroes of our time, all right? My hero. And this, this man should be, really be uh, the one that we're all looking up to, all right? And, and how I met this guy, or know, know of him, is because I was a really cool kid, and my favorite channel of TV growing up was PBS, all right? And, and there was this special when I was like 12 or 13 uh, on this guy, and I'm like, this man is living the life, all right? This is what I want to do. Like, this is who I want to be. And so at 12, 13 years old, I went to the library. I, I got, like, the, the VHS tapes of this PBS special because I watched one episode on TV, and I binge-watched it before binge-watching was even a thing. All right? I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me show you the picture of this guy. All right? This is the man. All right? All right? <laughs> Look. I mean, he's just awesome, right? He's in there. He's in this cabin, right? All right? His name is Richard Pronicki. Does anyone know who I'm talking about? No? You guys didn't watch this? Jeez. All right. I had a picture of him in my room. All right. All right. This guy's Richard, Richard Pernicki retired when he was 50 years old. Uh, tragically, his wife passed away right, right around that time. And so he decided that he was going to move to Alaska. All right. He was going to move to Alaska all by himself. He found uh, some land and he proceeded to build himself a cabin by hand. No power tools. And the whole time, he filmed himself doing it, right? There was no film crew like all those shows today. He just did it himself, right? No power tools, no nothing. He did it himself. And I watched one episode, like I said, and I was absolutely hooked. 
And I binged watched the whole thing, right? This guy made a, a bowl out of a knot in a tree, right? Come on, right? Pretty cool, right? This guy was cool, right? He was my hero. And I, I knew I was going to be a preacher, yes, but I was going to do it somewhere in like northern Michigan where I grew up in the middle of nowhere or in Alaska or some cabin in Idaho, and I'm just going to preach to the squirrels and the moose and the bears or something, right? That was my plan, to be a hermit like this guy and preach to the squirrels, the moose, the bear, whatever, all the, the forest animals, right? He was my inspiration, and heroes don't get better than old Richard, right? And we all have heroes, and I think my hero, being an actual hermit, right, shows us one of the reasons why we look up to people like this, right? Whatever your hero may be, right? because they're nothing like us, right? They're nothing like us. They, they have things in them that we wish we had in ourselves. They, they do things that we think we'll just never be able to, to do or to accomplish. They're, they're brave. They're, they're daring. They're, they're fearless. They're courageous, right? They, they know the right thing to do, and they know exactly when to do it. Again, this guy made a bowl out of a knot in a tree and a spoon, right? Amazing things, right? And so Foundry, right, Foundry Church, here's, here's the tension, right, that we need to peel like an onion this morning, right? And really, as we go through the next few weeks in this series, right, take, take a look at this. This is the tension, right? Do we have it there? All right, there we go. Our ordinary lives don't seem to have a lot of room for heroes or courage, Right? Just, just our lives just don't seem to have a, a lot of room for, for being a hero or, or displaying courage on the reg, right? right? We, we like epic stories. We like watching those movies, reading those books, right? But we just don't seem very epic ourselves, right? right? We, we may not even feel special because we're not doing anything special ourselves, right? We, we get up every day. Go to our jobs, come home, play with our kids, right? Then we repeat. We do it again, right? We, we eat a few meals throughout the day, maybe run an errand or two. We, we go to the, the gym or we, we go out with our family and then we just go to bed, right? And repeat, right? T tomorrow, it will start all over again. It's an endless cycle on an endless repeat, right? Like a Groundhog Day, Right? Another good hero, right? No. Right? These stories of, uh, of these kinds of heroes, of, uh, of people that we look up to, or, or the heroes that were in our lives when we were younger, right, are just something we don't see in our own lives. Something that we see that we just can't really live up to. And so take, take a look at this. This is still a part of the tension, right? They, they offer the potential for something bigger, an escape from the ordinary of our own lives. Right? Right? Uh, old old, old Panicki, right? right? Offered an escape from my life. He was in the wilderness. He was chopping down trees. He was making a, a meat cellar in the middle of Alaska, right? He was making that bowl, right? Spider-Man, all these guys, right? They offer an escape. But Foundry Church, now, what if we are, are, are selling our own lives kind of short? Think about that, right? What if, what if we have the potential, 
right? What if, what if we have the potential to be the kind of heroes that we want to be in the world around us, right? I mean, let's, let's, let's think about that for a moment to the, this morning, right? If you ever found yourself thinking that your, your life is uh, falling short of your heroes or where you think it should be at this moment, or you think you're falling short of the, the, the stories that you see in books or, or see in movies, right? That your life could not possibly be any more ordinary than what it already is. And that God, the God that we're forging our life on, certainly uh, would not use you for the extraordinary. Maybe you're thinking that. And if you are, then you have a lot in common with the man that we're going to be talking about the next few weeks. Right? His name is David. Right? And he's one of my favorites, like I've said. Right? And if you've been around here for any length of time, you've probably heard him or, or referred to him as King David. Right? He was arguably, arguably one of the, the greatest and the worst guys in the Bible. Right? He, was, he was very ordinary. Right? He, he was far from perfect. And yet, he was able to do great things. His legacy is known as a man after God's own heart. Right? He is remembered with a, a sort of hero status. And so the question is, is how did this happen? Right? How did this happen? And to understand the, the answer to that question, we need to know kind of the backstory, the context. And, and so to do that, we'll look at what we know about David about his story, about when he was a kid, when he was young. And we know because of that, that he was the youngest in his family, right? He was responsible because of being the youngest. He was responsible for um, taking care of the sheep out in the fields, right? He was given jobs that were for the, the least successful brother or the, the lowest in the family, Right, David, he, he grew up in um, Israel under the rule of the nation's very first king, a man named King Saul. And in his family, he was the lowest rung on the family ladder. Right? He was overlooked quite a bit. Right? Things, things under this, this king, King Saul, uh, were going pretty well at the beginning, right? but they didn't stay that way. And just during David's younger years, Right? Things weren't going that way. Saul, this first king, he, he didn't obey God. He, he took matters into his own hands. He was forging his life on himself instead of on God like he was supposed to be. And, and soon it became very clear that he would not stay in charge because of that. That he was going to lose his, his royalship, his, his kingship. And so here's, here's the thing that we know. Right? God chose a new king. All right, God chose a new king. In the book of 1 Samuel, in our Bibles, God told a prophet named Samuel. It's easy to remember 1 Samuel, told a prophet, Samuel, same guy who wrote the book, right? Samuel told Samuel to go to a little town called Bethlehem to find the nation's next king. And Samuel, this prophet, he obeyed, and he went to Bethlehem, and he arrived there, and he invited a man named Jesse and his sons to a meal, to a dinner. And as soon as Samuel saw the first son of Jesse, 
right, this, this very first son, he was convinced, right, Samuel was convinced that one of Jesse's sons would be the next king, right? They, they looked the part. They were, they were strong. They were tall. They were handsome, right? They, they looked the part. And so he asked, right, Samuel asked Jesse to see all the other sons. And while Samuel was waiting, God said this to him, right? Let's take a look. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to, to 1 Samuel 16. If you don't have a Bible, you can use the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you, and you can take those with you. They are free. They're for you to take, to have, to use, to give away, just to keep, right? So we're going to be in 1 Samuel in the Old Testament. And if you're watching online or if you're here, you can also download the free Foundry Burke app and click the Bible tab. And the Bible is right there for you, the, today's scripture. We're going to be in 1 Samuel 16 for the rest of the day. But just look at verse 7 here at the beginning. Right, it says this. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the Right, the, the Lord looks at the heart, right? Samuel met the sons one at a time, the sons of Jesse one at a time, waiting for God to point out the next king. And then we read, right, verse 8 through 10. Read it with me. Follow along with me. It says, then Jesse told his son Airbnb, no, I'm just kidding, All right. <laughs> Abinab, to, to, to step forward and to walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen Next, Jesse summoned his son, right, Shema, right? But Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Right, keep your finger there. We'll be right back. All right, traditionally, all right, traditionally, the I mean, even today, right, the, the royal line of a king or a queen was passed down through the firstborn son, right? Even though a, a new family line was being chosen in, in this particular uh, situation, right, it would have been very surprising not to select the oldest son, right? He had the most experience, right? We, we know that he was, he looked the part, right? He probably looked a lot like me, right? 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 He was, it was just surprising that they didn't choose the oldest son. Samuel was certain that God had something else in mind, right? Right? That he had something else in store. Right? None of these seven sons had what it took, right? Or, or was what God was, was looking for, what God wanted. And so, so he said this in verse, verse 11, right? Same, same chapter. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? Like seven wasn't, right? <laughs> are these all the sons you have? Right, well, they're still the youngest, Jesse replied. But he's out in the fields. He's watching the sheep and the goats. Well, send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. And now he's holding dinner hostage, right? It's getting serious. Right? It's getting serious, right? The, the, the text right here that we're, we're looking at uses the word the youngest, right? It uses the word youngest, but that does not, does not really capture uh, what Jesse was saying about this eighth son, his son, right? In the original language, that same word means this. 
too small, uh, to be small and insignificant. To be small and insignificant. All right? That's what it means, to be, to be small and insignificant. It's like David's dad was saying, you, you don't need to be bothered with him. Right, this son of mine, this, this youngest son of mine, he's the, he's the weakest of them all, and he certainly won't amount to much more than what he's already doing. Right? He's not going to be anything more than a, a shepherd out in the field of one of his own brothers. Right? After all, right, he was the only son who wasn't invited to this very important dinner party. Right? He wasn't even invited to the table. He wasn't even invited to grab a to-go plate, right? His dad literally forgot about his son. He, he left him out in the field, and he didn't think anything of it. Right? David uh, was basically like Harry Potter living under the stairs. Right? He, he, was, he was out tending sheep. Right? He was out tending sheep. Right? A, a dirty, disgraceful job during this time. And forgotten. Now, I bet, I bet a lot of us, I, I, re, I really do, right? I bet a lot of us have been in some sort of spot like David was or it was in, right? We've been there, right? Maybe, maybe someone uh, has used those same words to describe you, right? Or it's how we feel in the job that we have or the role that we have in our family, in our, in our squad, Right? We feel labeled, we feel pigeonholed we, of being a certain way or, or labeled in a, in a certain manner. Maybe we, we have even started to believe those things, those things that people are saying and labeling us with. We're starting to believe those about ourselves even, right? making those what describe us and, and define us. We, we felt forgotten about. But let's notice how Samuel responds to Jesse. All right, if you got your Bibles, let's read verse 11 again, and this time we'll go through uh, verse 12. It says this, Then Samuel asked, all right, again, are these all your sons? I just love that line. Are these all your sons? All right, there's still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the field watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. All right, so Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. Anoint him, right? This is the one. Right? Samuel, right away, showed respect for David. Before he even lays eyes on him, he shows respect for David that his family did not necessarily show him themselves, Right? He refused to sit down until David got there. Right? Not even the chips and the salsa were to be eaten. Right? And then he considered him as a candidate for the next king when his family had considered him an afterthought. I mean, think about that, right? Right? They, had, they had already counted him out. They had not even noticed David. But take a look. This is what it comes down to, right? God noticed. God noticed. The all-creating God, the all-powerful God, the all-knowing God, 
the all-seeing God of the universe noticed. Right? And when David finally showed up, the family was even more surprised when Samuel anointed him with oil to be the next king. Right? David was exactly who God had in mind to be the next king of Israel. Right? The, the greatest king. Now let's just, let's just pause here and pull back for a second, right? right? It would have been a real surprise ending to watch this kind of unfold time, right? It would have been actually kind of fun, right? It would have been to see the faces of the older brother and what they looked like at this, this choice, right? When, when David is anointed, right? right? God told Samuel that his opinion about people is different from, from our opinion. It's just a different way of things playing out, right? That's how we, we, we measure potential, right? It's not the same as how God measures potential, right? Like it said, like we read it, we look on the outside, but God looks at the heart. I mean, I mean, take a look at this, right? God measures potential different because we're man. Us, where, where we may see failure, where the world may see failure, right? Where, where our friends, our family, our, 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 our neighborhood, whatever, may see failure, God sees a future, a purpose, a direction, right? He sees a future, right? To his family, David would always be seen as that youngest brother, Right, the, the, the sheep herder, uh, the one who would probably not amount to anything in life. And it is possible that David had grown up not only hearing that on the regular, but also believing that and internalizing that in his own heart. But Samuel showed up right, in, in the name of God, and he reminded him that God had a future in mind for him that was bigger than anyone could have imagined. So, so let's, just, let's just lean in here for, for a second, Foundry Church. Right, every single one of us has been where David was. Right? Don't lie to yourself. We've all, we've all been there. Some of us might be there right now. Right? Feeling insignificant. Not just ordinary, but, but worse than that, forgotten, overlooked, undervalued. We may, we may think that the sum of our life will never amount to more than answering phones or, or picking up the kids' clothes or implementing someone else's decisions, even though yours are more effective or, or, or living in the shadow of your friend's careers or the career that you used to have. Whatever it is, right? We've been there. We look around and we see others who are more qualified, who are living the life that we imagined for ourselves. We look around and we see people who have just the right look or the, the right skill set. People who have, um, or people who are more worthy of the spotlight, the position or the opportunity than we are. But here's what we cannot see in the mirror. And when we see all that junk, 
and all that crud, when we look in the mirror and we, and we start to see those things and believe those things, this is what we can't see in the mirror right here. You can't see what God sees. You can't see what God sees, right? You don't know what he knows about you, what he thinks about you, or, or what he has planned for you. He don't, you just don't know what he sees in you or, or how he knows you are, are perfect for what he has in store for you to do. That purpose, that will that he has for you that only you can do. Now, you may not be called to be a king like King David, but not an ounce of your story or your experience is, is wasted since God doesn't waste anything, right? And look, right, look, look at this. You have no idea how much your now, our life right now, right, however different we wish it could be, is a part of your later. We just don't know. Right? We, we just don't know how our now, what we're going through right now, what we're experiencing right now, is going to be a part of our later. What's it shaping us, us for? Chances are, we have an idea of what a hero looks like, right? And, and chances are, you, you don't see yourself fit, fitting the bill. I'll tell you right now, I couldn't, although I wanted to be a hermit for my whole life until I met Christina, right? I couldn't live in the wilderness of Alaska now because there's no Bonchon. Just can't do it. Right? Even worse, right? Here's the thing, the people around you may see you in your weakness, even when you're, you're starting to believe what God believes about you. But look at David's life. Right? The, the same was true for him. Right? right? No one expected him to be the next king. He didn't, and his family certainly didn't. But just because David and his, his family didn't see it coming doesn't mean that God didn't. Right? right? God had something in mind for David long before David believed it about himself and long, long before his family believed it about himself. Right? God knew uh, that, that a hero could be made from the most unlikely candidates in the most unlikely of circumstances. Right? The, uh, the best stories, right? the, the best heroic stories of people uh, forging their life on God are, are the stories of the ones of, of heroes who live up to their potential that they, they never knew that they had. Right? where they defeated the odds and surprised everyone around them, including themselves, right? Maybe you have an idea of where you want to be and what you want to do, but the, the, the message you have told yourself or the message that the, the, the people that you're surrounding yourself with or around you are, are saying that it's just not possible. Don't believe that. Right? Maybe, maybe what you're, you're thinking to yourself or, or what people are telling you is that you have to make more money or you have to lose this weight in order to do this or you have to get a better job, you have to get married, you have to reach a certain age, you have to have kids or you have to have kids leave the, the nest at this time, you have to do things this way or that way. 
Whatever it is, listen, if you're waiting for the perfect set of circumstances to happen, right, to, to fall into line, if you're waiting for the perfect set of circumstances in order to change, right, you're discontinuing, discounting what God can do right now, right? You don't got to wait for those things to fall in line. Because you, you might be just holding back what God wants to do in your life, right? When you consider yourself unqualified and, and just counted out, right? He, he isn't waiting for you to become something else first, right? He, he's interested in forging your future, right? He's interested in putting you in a a group where you can guide each other to forge that lifelong reliance on God, that best life, not the easiest of lives, but a life that is forged on God. He's interested in forging your future right now. That, That layoff doesn't count you out. That financial burden that's always following you around like a cloud, doesn't disqualify you, that relationship status, that hard-to-kick addiction, that barely contained anxiety over what's next, doesn't get to decide what God may have in store for you right now. It just doesn't. Right? You, you may feel insignificant or, or small like we talked with the kids last week, Right? That may be your now, right? Maybe you don't view yourself as a hero or someone who, who God would use in a big way. But what if you are? Right? What if you are? What if your, your now matters more than you realize? What if God isn't, isn't waiting for your future to make something of you? But what if, if he's looking at you right now? To forge a story in and through you in your life that no one expects. Because if if that's true, then we need to be living like our now matters to us. Right? Because it already matters to God. I'm one of those guys that you know, I had to learn. I had to learn that uh, I didn't have to get everything perfect before I moved on, right? Like when I'm writing a paper in school or, or doing my times tables. Like I could start with just a few at a time and then build up, right? I don't have to do it all, right? I still struggle with that, right? It's the same principle, right? He, he's in the right now with us. He's not waiting us to accomplish it on our own and then he's going to be with us. He's with us right now, right? God was in the field with David, right? Tending the flock before Samuel even showed up because he knew that eventually David would need the skills that he was learning in that field to to fight off a giant in a couple weeks, right? God is in the midst of our right now. And he'll use your now to forge that story of your future. No matter how young we are, no matter how old we are or where we are in life, right? It, it can be tempting to write off where God has you. 
It can be tempting because you don't want to be where you are. I get it. Right? But that, that's the place that God has prepared for you right now. So don't count yourself out. Regardless of the messages that you're hearing or have heard about your life or in your life, God has always been in the business of writing stories and using people no one expected. Making heroes out of those people. So you're not insignificant. Right? And, and your now matters. It really does. So own it. As the, the band comes back up, let me put it like this. Right? God, right? God never intended our lives to be lived from a holding pattern. Right? Like a plane just circling, waiting to land. God never intended for our lives to be in that holding pattern. All right? I'll just sit and wait. All right? Sometimes we can convince ourselves that we'll just, we'll just wait it out until something great comes along or until we have something perfect, until we've reached perfection. But what if that something uh, great hinges on what we do right now, today even? What if tomorrow is a direct result of today? That is what legacy is all about. Right? One of our measures here at the Foundry, what we want to kind of become as we're forging our life on God. And so I want, to, I want to have you ask yourself a question today. When you, when you leave today, and if you are a parent, even of the, the smallest of ones downstairs or, or of the teenagers, it doesn't matter, right? Because I want you to explain these principles to them and have them ask this question to themselves as well as you ask the question of yourself. And that question is this, what if God has more for my now than just waiting for later? But think about that question today. What if God has more for my now than just waiting for later? Because your now matters now. And again, share that with your kids. Share that with your grandkids. Because it's so important. What you're doing today is important. How you're doing it today is important. It's shaping, forging what we're going to be tomorrow. Live today a legacy for tomorrow. Let's reflect on that as we continue to worship. Let's stand and continue to sing to this God, this great I am.